0: Hello, and welcome to Bible Bitches, and I am here with the one Sarah Hoff, who is invading your ears from Los Angeles. I
1: am invading your ears.
0: Yeah, get them.
1: I hope it's all consensual. Um, yes, totally. <laughs> and I'm here with Lara Barclay, who you may know
0: as uh Louisvillean yes and- a louisville legend no i'm not
1: <laughs> yes, you are you are the legend i
0: just love alliteration
1: <laughs> i'm gonna make you a t-shirt this is lou of the legend
0: <laughs> and it's just gonna have a little toilet on it <laughs> yes people will be like what i don't get it <laughs> you don't have to it's fine it's not for you to get <laughs> <It's not. laughs> And guess what? It's an exciting episode because we're talking about abortion. Yeah. <laughs> a real you know party what? of an episode.
1: Yeah, you know what? Everybody like feels really good about after you've just given them a rundown of facts. Abortion. Everybody's just like high fives all around.
0: That feels real good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is an uplifting episode. Yep. I recommend going to watch some like cute kitten videos after this.
0: Yeah, we're going to, you know, there's some, it's it's going to be a two-parter and both are going to be real doozies, but um, well, you know, we're going to make fun of some douches, you know, throughout, throughout both. So there'll be some light moments, but definitely some heavy moments as well. The douches that we speak of do not belong in your vagina, FYI. And no douches belong in your vagina. Yeah. This is an we we are an, we are anti douching here at Bible Bitches. <laughs> if you're having issues down there,
1: uh, please do not put anything up. You oh. just go to a gynecologist. Yes. You know, yes. until until we get to that point where Roe v. Wade is overturned and we have to start wearing like, um, you know, red hooded long whatever they wear in Handmaid's Tale.
0: Under his eye.
1: (laughs) Under his eye. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to kick us off. And so we're recording this at the beginning of June. So as of right now, um, the Roe v. Wade has not actually been overturned, but we are expecting it to happen based, of course, on all the news and the leaked documents and all that stuff. So We're doing a two-parter, like Laura Laura said, um, on the history of abortion. The second episode is going to have uh, some practical resources and useful information about the current state of affairs regarding abortion in the United States. And for the first portion, today's podcast, what we're going to be talking about, the history of abortion in the United States. Um, We'll be citing an article from CNN titled The Surprising History of Abortions in the United States and also a book by Leslie Reagan called When Abortion Was a Crime, which is referenced in the CNN article. Also note, we're going to be referencing Reagan a lot, and we are not talking about the president. We're talking about this book by Leslie
0: Reagan. (laughs) We will be talking about Reagan next episode whenever we're dealing with the religious right, but not this this time. So Leslie Reagan is the, is a historian. Um, So from the 18th century until the 1880s, abortions were just a part of life and allowed and practiced pretty regularly. They were only considered taboo or illegal after quote unquote, the quickening, meaning when the pregnant person could feel the fetus move. Reagan states at conception and the earliest stage of pregnancy before quickening, no one believed that a human life existed. Not even the Catholic Church took this view. Rather, the popular ethic regarding abortion and common law were grounded in the female experience of their own bodies. The Catholic Church implicitly accepted early abortions prior to ensoulment or when the soul entered a body. Not until 1869, at about the same time that abortion became politicized in this country, did the church condemn abortion. In 1895, it then condemned therapeutic abortions, meaning procedures to save a woman's life. Right. So um, beginning
1: in 1880, abortions were criminalized, except to protect the mother's life in America. Surprisingly, this was not because of the church, but because of political pressure from the medical establishment. Interestingly, however, the medical establishment is now on the side of abortion
0: access. In fact... An American Medical Association spokesperson said in a disapproving statement of a Texas anti-choice law in 2016 that the association, quote, seeks to limit government interference in the practice of medicine and oppose government regulation of medicine that is unsupported by scientific evidence. So them being opposed to government control in, in medicine currently is in stark contrast to the origins of the AMA. when. Uh, It went on a campaign in 1857 to make abortion illegal. Why, you might ask? Reagan states that some of it came out of a regular physician's desire to win professional power, control medical practice, and restrict their competitors, namely midwives and homeopaths. Essentially, the AMA organization was controlled by men and wanted to push out women providers that were midwives and homeopaths who were not able to be doctors at the time. Is there ever a
1: social issue that has not been politicized by men to oppress other people? Because I feel no. like all social, yeah, they're all <laughs> like disenfranchised people being like, white dudes, why you
0: got to be like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> it should just always be the motto about everything from everyone opposing it. Like, why you got, white dudes, what's, what's up? Come on, Come on guys. <laughs> Cut it out. Stop." Yeah. Anyways, eat a sandwich.
1: <laughs> um, this was occurring at a time when women were pushing to be admitted to Harvard Medical School and many of them wanted to work obstetrics and gynecology. The basement dwelling asshole behind the early AMA anti-choice campaign was one Dr. Horatio Storer. He had graduated from Harvard Medical School and focused his practice on OBGYN before he died in 1922 from becoming a complete super douche. He just morphed into like a whole can of Lysol.
0: Yeah. I really hate this guy and you're going to hate him too. Um, I really just, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to be a patient of his. Like, I think he would have been like, "Mm, I see you're a woman. So, um, you should probably just, um, not talk at all and not tell me what's going on with your body. I'm going to look at you. I'm going to tell you what's up. Um, I'm going to ask you to douche every day because that's definitely good for your vagina and, um, yeah, have as many babies as possible. And I don't want to hear any complaints. And then she's going to be like, but what about, and he's going to be like, quipping hysterical. Yeah, you are losing it. You are crazy. Do you want to go to an insane asylum? Because I can make that happen. But I'm just asking
1: a a question. Stop it. Okay. Stop it. And my penis is definitely big. We're going to need to do some electroshock therapy on you now. Yeah. (laughs) My penis is definitely
0: big. (laughs) <laughs> you know he was he like and he would just like mutter it. He would just be like, "My penis is definitely big," Don't and everybody's it. like, "Is it?" it. Oh, yeah. Is it. It. So uh, Reagan notes that his anti-choice campaign was very much a backlash against women wanting more career options in the medical field, and uh, and was really anti-feminist at its core. So the AMA lobbied for stricter abortion laws in the United States. Or in the states, um, kind of going around federal law, and most did this by 1880. When the federal Comstock laws passed in 1873, these acts criminalized any use of the United States Postal Service to send any of the following items: obscenity, contraceptives, abortifacients, sex toys, personal letters with any sexual content or information, uh, or any information regarding anything above. Um, so essentially it banned the distribution of abortion drugs, which you guessed it, uh, hurt midwives. Um, but I guess fuck women, right? We can't, we, we can't send sexy letters to each other. We can't get sex toys. We can't get, um, uh, contraceptives. We can't get, uh, abortive fashions. um, uh, really because Horatio Storer over here was like, uh, my penis is super big and it's enough. Uh, and I know what's good for you.
1: So two things. I hadn't actually heard the word abortifacient. Did I pronounce it
0: right? I think it's fashions, but I don't actually know
1: fashions until recently. When I guess it's it's now in a conversation about um like people are uh are conflating contraceptives with abortive or abortifacients.
0: Yes. One is preventative, and one is uh, an abortion pill an abortion pill yeah yeah exactly Uh,
1: not the same as plan b or is it plan no plan b wouldn't be
0: i don't consider plan b because it hasn't like the it takes a while for it to like the egg to implant and it hasn't implanted yet so i don't think plan b i wouldn't consider plan b to be but you know the far right probably does. So before the Comstock
1: laws took effect, a woman named Madame Rostel ran abortion businesses in the Northeast part of the United States. Her main clientele, Reagan wrote, were married, white, native-born Protestant women of upper middle class. So as affluent white women were family planning, the United States was having a wave of immigration. And guess who hates the idea of being outnumbered by people who are non-white? You guess it, white men up course. And Dr. Horatio Storer and his ilk were super freaked out. He thought that whites should be populating the country, including the West and the South. He would say out loud that whites should outpopulate Blacks, Catholics, Mexicans, Chinese, or Indians. And I love that he includes Catholics in this because it's not a racial group. (laughs) And so it just shows how stupid, subjective and fluctuating this concept of race or concept of who should be included or discluded is, and how completely stupid it is to judge anyone based on that, right?
0: Yeah, he's just a a super douche, like he really is. And here's a quote by him and heads up, it's super gross. Uh, Quote, shall these regions be filled by our own children or by those of aliens? which just using aliens, like just, just this is me. Uh, like, it just makes me think of like Independence Day when like Will Smith punches that alien and it's like, welcome to earth. Like, <laughs> I just like, why are we <laughs> using that? Whatever it's still, we're talking about like people. Anyway, shall these, okay, so this is the question. Shall these regions be filled by our own children or by those of aliens? This is a question our women must answer. Upon their loins depends the future destiny of the nation. Oh, that's so disgusting. And it just takes me right to like Gilead and the Handmaid's Tale and all that bullshit. Reagan writes that white male patriotism demanded that maternity be enforced among white Protestant women. Disgusting.
1: I feel like ladies' loins are like the fucking like Gaza Strip. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like. (laughs) it's either like the whole destiny of the world depends on it or else like you better not be touching any part of that lady. You can have no pleasure. Um, you better not enjoy anything. You Mm-mm. better not open them legs. You better show those loins to no man, and no woman until Mm-mm. it's time to procreate. And then My God, everything in the world is dependent on what you do with your loins.
0: I mean, listen, that's the cradle of sin down there. Unless there's a baby in it and then it's holy as hell. (laughs)
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's no no contradiction there at all. Don't Mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. The only purpose of sex is is impregnation. Mm -hmm. We need to go back to hole through the sheet through the sheet sex oh
0: through the sheet <laughs> it's like which is like it's like a it's like a glory hole but for babies <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the least sexy glory hole in all of the of life. all
0: time I'm gonna get you pregnant through this hole
1: <laughs> can you imagine like how shitty would that be just like constantly feeling guilty about being aroused and like but cool. like for the guy too like feeling guilty about being aroused and like lusting but still trying to maintain a hard on like
0: oh my <laughs> god so cool. can you imagine yeah can you imagine having sex where you're both just like i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm <laughs> going to hell i'm sorry i'm sorry like, that's the least sexy thing i can imagine no
1: no terrible
0: oh no i accidentally looked at your boobs
1: <laughs> i felt them through the sheet I kind of flay myself now yes <laughs> terrible Ugh. anyways so After abortions became illegal, pregnant people were, of course, still sought them out. Think back alley abortions, that kind of thing. And fair warning, skip ahead about 15 seconds if descriptions bother you. But some means of abortion women would use on themselves and would use on other people because abortion doctors would do this on women as well. Were coat hangers, knitting needles, drinking chemicals, douching with lye, falling down the stair making concoctions with herbs, things like that. Um, oftentimes, these, meso- these methods brought with them a great risk of injury and death from hemorrhaging, poisoning, or sepsis. And can we just like have a moment for that? That abortions are going to happen regardless. And it is devastating for society, for culture, that... There are people in this culture who might have to make the decision to either risk their own lives or be in a position that, you know, where they get pregnant and could potentially be saddled with somebody who's unsafe or who is um, unkind, that kind of thing. And it just, it makes me so sad. Um, You know, they're still going to happen. People are going to die. Um, and history has shown this, and facts have shown this, Um, statistics have shown this. Anyways, check out the short documentary titled When Abortion Was Illegal that was um, put out in the 1990s to get a good sense of what people seeking abortions had to endure and risk in order to receive one. It uh, follows the stories or interviews um, women who had abortions or knew people who had abortions prior to abortion becoming legal in the United States. And it is eye-opening.
0: Mm. And just to go ahead and debunk uh, a myth that, uh, oh, abortions must decrease whenever they're made illegal. No, incorrect. Abortion rates actually increase despite it becoming illegal, especially during the great depression, because who wants to bring a baby into that? Like, can you imagine Timmy, I've given you a great legacy and it is these tumbleweeds and also dust. Ugh. During the depression, uh, the law sort of looked the other way because nobody wanted that. Nobody wanted more kids to you know, come into the world that was so wrecked at that point. Abortionists would distribute business cards and open clinics It was more of an economic issue than a women's issue at that point, because who could afford a baby? Nobody could. Um, And here's the statistics in the 1950s and 1960s. The estimated number of illegal abortions ranged from two hundred thousand to one point two million per year, according to the Guttmacher Institute. Right. And I mean, it's
1: it's still going to be an an economic issue, right, because the more money you have, the more money you can throw at. A situation that you want covered up mm-hmm. and you can find a better doctor who will do the thing. And, um, and it's certainly, while maybe not overtly, definitely smacks of, you know, people with privilege trying to oppress, trying to continue to oppress those who do not have um, wealth or privilege.
0: Oh, yeah. The same like politicians and potentially judges that are, you know, quote unquote pro-life are probably paying their mistresses to have abortions in private. Yeah. Frustrating.
1: So um, you might actually be surprised um, about who helped women out during like when abortion became illegal. In the the late 1960s, some ministers and rabbis set up the clergy consultation service on abortion to help women find safe, illegal abortions. According to an article in The Atlantic titled, How Clergy Set the Standard for Abortion Care by Bridget Dunlap, after New York State made abortion legal in 1970, clergy opened an abortion clinic which effectively started the trend of a clinic specifically to provide abortion care.
0: And according to Dunlap, Howard Moody, the senior minister of New York City's Judson Memorial Church, told the New York Times in 1967 that a group of 21 Protestant and Jewish religious leaders would offer women with unwanted pregnancies counseling and referrals for safe abortions. By 1973, roughly 1,400 clergy members across the country had helped what's estimated to be hundreds of thousands of women access safe abortions. They viewed it as a pastoral obligation to help these women. And at this time, thousands of women were dying from abortions and a disproportionate amount of them were women of color, as affluent white women could afford to travel for safer options or pay off doctors to deem them, quote unquote, therapeutic abortions, meaning that the abortion was threatening the life of the mother. Yeah. So in
1: Chicago, feminists began an underground abortion service, also known as the Abortion Counseling Service of the Chicago Women's Liberation Union. It's a bit of a mouthful. Also known under the code, it was also known under the codename Jane. And the service helped provide safe, supportive, and affordable illegal abortions. At first, just through referrals. Eventually, ch- trained members began performing procedures themselves. And so, between 1969 and 1973, the members of the group provided more than 11,000 safe abortions, according to Laura Kaplan, author of "quote quote the story of Jane" unquote. And you may also want to watch the new documentary that's recently come out called The Janes that covers their story in more detail.
0: According to Cornell Law's summary of Roe v. Wade, and we will be reading this pretty much verbatim as we are not legal scholars, in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court held that the Constitution protected a woman's right to an abortion prior to the viability of the fetus with the ruling in Roe v. Wade. The case involved a Texas statute that prohibited abortion except when necessary to save the life of the pregnant woman. The Supreme Court, in a decision written by Justice Blackmun, recognized a privacy interest in abortions. In doing so, the court applied the right to privacy established in Griswold v. Connecticut decided in 1965. At stake in this matter was the fundamental right of a woman to decide whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. The underlying values of this right included decisional autonomy and physical consequences, i.e. the interest in bodily integrity.
1: The court divided the pregnancy period into three trimesters. During the first trimester, the decision to terminate the pregnancy was solely at the discretion of the woman. After the first trimester, the state could, quote, regulate procedures, unquote. During the second trimester, the state could regulate, but not outlaw, abortions in the interest of the mother's health. After the second trimester, the fetus became viable and the state could regulate or outlaw abortion in the interest of the potential life, except when in the interest of the potential life, the baby, except when necessary to preserve the life or health of the mother. And that's where we're going to leave it right now. And we're going to pick up next time with what happened after Roe versus Wade and the rise of the religious right.
0: Ooh, that's going to be a good time I recently watched uh the eyes of Tammy Faye so uh I, I uh, got a good good healthy helping of the religious right in that uh ooh, what a time what a time
1: you know it's wild like I remember I remember going to DC and protesting abortion
0: what I
1: know when this was, was this like, this was like in the 90s I think I was like I was definitely like I think I was in like middle school so probably like Early 90s.
0: Baby Hoff was like, don't kill babies.
1: I was. <laughs> I was like, but I also knew you back then. I was like, I'm not sure that this is doing much good. <laughs> I dated, just standing on a corner in DC holding up a sign that's like, don't murder babies. And everybody's like, good, I won't. But we just <laughs> disagree about what a baby is.
0: <laughs> I can just see you like holding up a sign that you're like, I <laughs> I get, I guess, I guess. I guess don't murder a baby, but whatever.
1: (laughs) You got to do what you got to do. Okay. I'm not here to run your life. (laughs) Actually, young Huff, my, I was, I was like kind of a judgmental bitch when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, the whole, the whole conservative Christian thing is like that us versus them mentality and how, you know, we are blessed with God's love or something like all this like bullshit about how like were
0: you Mandy Mandy Moore and save were you like I'm filled with the love of Christ
1: if I if I had been at all popular I'm sure I would have (laughs) been
0: you throw the bible at me like
1: I would for sure get
0: it together (laughs) Laura
1: thankfully I was also like super naive so I didn't recognize a lot of um a lot of things going on around me that I would have judged.
0: Yeah, I was always the one that was like, never. I I was never like super into it. Like I was like, maybe I'm a deist. I kind of like this whole concept of just like, there's a god, but whatever. And uh, I like the idea that you would have thrown a Bible at me and been like, no. And <laughs> be like,
1: I'm gonna. I wouldn't have thrown a Bible. I was just I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna pray for you. And then at like prayer group I would have been like everyone we need to pray for my friend Laura and then use that as like a a, like a platform to just gossip a lot about you yes
0: (laughs) it's not funny it was a douche thing it was a douche thing to do (laughs) like I'm really worried about Laura she seems to have strayed (laughs) she's she's uh she's
1: fallen you know she needs to rededicate her life to Christ
0: and then like and then there's like an altar call and you're just staring at me like <laughs> are you gonna rededicate your life
1: <laughs> and then I get up there and I'm like can we all just pray for Laura can we all put our hands on Laura and pray for her right now? <laughs>
0: yes
1: <laughs> we oh that brings back memories we definitely had a chapel at school where we uh like the football team was like going to state finals or something like that and the chapel was all just putting hands on them and
0: praying that they which is like huh to win because you know god definitely intervenes in sports events god cares about sports yeah there are
1: babies dying of cancer and getting sold into sex slavery but god is like you know what this small town Mm -hmm. high school really Mm -hmm. needs a win Mm
0: -hmm. what was your what was your mascot were you like the crusaders or something like We we
1: were the Shiloh Saints.
0: And the Saints. We were the Saints.
1: We were the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is that our coach at the time is actually like kind of a big deal, in, in like college, I think football now. Yeah. Yeah. His what, name how, is what, Gus. His name is, is Gus Nelson.
0: And what is he? What like what? Where does what does he coach for?
1: Man, I don't know.
0: Something. Something. Good luck, Gus. Good job, Gus. Congrats. Way to, on... way to get it, Gus. You've come a long way from the Shiloh Saints. <laughs> mm. I guess all those prayers work, Sarah. <laughs>
1: it seems like they did. Seems like.
0: But well, they were all
1: also like white dudes, so they were gonna those prayers were gonna, were gonna work regardless.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, because you know. That's that's how America works. It's just like a pipeline for white dudes.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're trying to fill that pipeline with just like a ton of cum, but like, (laughs) and we're all just like trying to clean out the filth. We're like, can we just, just it's too clogged. Can we please just open this up a little bit?
0: It's kind of gross in here. Can we just air it out?
1: (laughs) And they're all just like, nom, 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 nom
0: that's a horrifying sound and if 2022 could be a sound it would be that
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't think so not to get all morbid about this but it would definitely be like gunshots in a crowded area
0: yeah accurate anyway accurate (laughs) Um, on that note um yeah we will be back next time with part two uh of with row past row essentially post row uh and and the world where it's about to be repealed unfortunately um but you can follow us on twitter at bible bitches you can find us on um instagram at bible bitches podcast um you can go to our website bible bitches and donate to our patreon to keep us going um and, and become an honorary bible bitch yourself uh please uh Please uh, like us or follow us or or go donate to our Patreon. Be a, be a good little bitch.
1: Please <laughs> donate to our Patreon. We're so please. poor.
0: Please, uh, please.
1: <laughs> I get the emails when people when like the monthly emails. It's like you've gotten this much money and it's like ten dollars.
0: Yeah, <laughs> help us, please. <laughs> we had a good little going, but then then the Home you in. know the fucking virus hit and you know
1: yeah nobody could afford it anymore nobody could
0: afford anything yeah um so we're just building back up y'all uh we're gonna build back better like joe biden um (laughs) oh boy um and you can find us on soundcloud and like stitcher and all itunes and all that um and uh we want to do a shout out right who do we want to shout out to
1: well we definitely want to give a big shout out to um yo eves yes Miss for names. intro and out yeah missy yeah. for intro and outro music um yeah. and check us out did you say the
0: website yeah and uh yeah i think is that is that um also a, a big thank you to aaron smith who had done our artwork uh for and quite a you long find time him, yeah quite a long time and you can find him at uh, aaron doodles dudes Aaron Aaron Doodles McDudes <laughs> on Twitter. All right, All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Yes. Love Catch you on the flippity flop. Bye. Bye.